Are you a new product leader who is struggling with your company's desire for certainty about everything your team is building, including exactly when it will be available to customers? I find that new product leaders trying to help their organizations embrace discovery and evidence-based decisions are often met with resistance from the organizations who want to measure progress using Gantt charts and dates and deliverables. So that's why I'm asking the question, how do you help your company deal with product ambiguity? In this episode of Fearless Product Leadership. Welcome to the Fearless Product Leadership Podcast. This is the show for new product leaders seeking to increase their confidence and competence. In every episode, I ask experienced and thoughtful product leaders to share their strategies and tactics that have helped them tackle a tough responsibility of the product leader role. I love helping emerging product leaders shorten their learning curves to expedite their professional success with great products, teams, and stakeholder relationships. I'm your host and CEO of Fearless Product, Hope Gurion. In this episode of Fearless Product Leadership, we're going to hear from five experienced product leaders and how they help their companies deal with the unavoidable ambiguity that comes with product development. You'll learn practical tips on how to build and maintain trust, as well as how to strike that important balance between learning and delivering on commitments. Fearlessly tackling the topic of ambiguity in this episode are Rosie Ruley Atkins, VP of Product at Homebase, Al Ming, VP of Product and Design at CNBC, who was formerly VP of Product at Discovery Networks and the New York Times, Lauren Antonelli, former Head of Product and now Chief of Staff at Evite, Prasad Gunay, SVP of Product at Signified, who formerly led product at LinkedIn and OpenTable, and Stefan Radulian, Head of Product Management at BrainLoop, a diligent company. First, Rosie Ruley Atkins shares how she's created a product culture that emphasizes the pragmatism of learning and then investing based on what's working and will have the largest impact on goals. Uh, reduce ambiguity and how far out do we commit? And uh, what's interesting about our process is that those two things are absolutely linked together. Um, Our process is optimized for learning and then being able to apply what we learn. Um, And how we do that is to, instead of saying, this is what we're going to do next, this is what we're going to do next, we think about it as what hypothesis are we considering next? And what do we have to know to, in order to say that this hypothesis is a good idea. And so instead of a roadmap, we basically say, we have the things that we've just shipped that we're learning on. We have the things that we're building right now. And we have the things that we're considering. And when we're considering a hypothesis, we're not considering any tactics. It's an idea. And the idea might be, if we change our website to blue, more customers will convert into paid plans. We ask ourselves, what are the KPIs that we would measure this with? Who's the target audience? What needs to be true? What qualitative research can we do to get to an answer? What data might we have that will help us get to an answer? And what's the TAM? And what we've found is that we're pursuing many, many more ideas because if you don't have any tactics and you're not saying we're doing this, you don't have skin in the game and you can get to no, not a great idea, not a big enough idea, or not the idea for right now. But if we get to yes, we have everything we need to very quickly then start to build it because we've already talked to customers and we've taken what tactics should we use question and used a very pragmatic approach to answering it. 
excellent. And so, so for a commitment, it seems like, am I right in thinking that it's not until you've gotten to a clear yes on one of those ideas that it's worth pursuing that it might move into a tactical level? Or is there some other way that you say, okay, now I'm willing to actually tell you that right. we, we probably are going to do this? Yeah. So when, when do we get to a commitment? Um, this process can take us anywhere from a week to two weeks maybe three weeks if the idea is really big and really risky. Um, So we try to move very quickly on getting to a yes, no, or not now, so that then we can start thinking, how do we apply what we've learned in this research phase to tactics, designs? How can we get a prototype in front of perhaps some of the people we talk to doing our qualitative research? Um, So... When we get there, we try to move as quickly as possible because we've really front-loaded the process. And we know much more about the customer than if we said, here are three different prototypes, which one do you like best? Because we might not even be in the right moment in the journey. Or sometimes we look at it and we say, wow, you know, great idea. But when we really look at our, you know, if it's incoming customers and we start to look at lookalikes, It's just not a big enough TAM compared to another opportunity. We can take that idea, all of that research, and push it out a little bit. Next, Al Ming shares how common goals, collaboration, and transparency on options eases the burden of keeping communication open and honest to navigate the treacherous waters of ambiguity in product development. I think uh, one of the things that, that I look for when I'm trying to figure out how to help organizations that have trouble with ambiguity and need that certainty for their clients and their customers, reducing the risk as much as possible. So the more I know, the more you know. So it, a lot of this comes down to transparency and, and being upfront about the reality of the situation. One of the things I, that I do when I talk to uh, new colleagues and new stakeholders in a new job in our one-on-ones is say, how are things going so far? And inevitably, one of the complaints they tend to have is, it wasn't delivered the way I thought it was going to be when I got it, or it wasn't on time. And that kind of speaks to what one of my old colleagues called the for entertainment only that he used to put on the bottom of roadmaps, that <laughs> if, I, uh, if I give you a roadmap, it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to help you. Like, so why don't you try a different way and see if that helps? And that different way is I'm going to tell you what we're trying to accomplish. I'm going to tell you the best bet I can take to make that, that happen. Throughout the process, I'll keep you informed on how this works, and we'll find some solution for what it is. And we'll, as soon as we can speak to a customer about what, what it does, to a client, to an advertising agency, as soon as we can, we will. Like, I think one of the things that helps in that direction, um, especially in the advertising industry or the uh, direct-to-consumer industry or any of the ones that I tend to be a part of, is that consumers are consumers of data and of publishers are becoming more savvy. There are ad agencies who want to see a product manager in the room when they are talking to a salesperson because they know that the answer they get is going to be real, is going to be uh, uh, innovative, is going to be impactful for their business, is going to be connected to the customer in a way that wasn't there before. That helps a lot in that direction to create that, uh, that, kind of hitting it from both hands on folks who are not used to dealing that way. I think a part of it also is there are going to be things, of course, that are much more straightforward in their definition. They are 
as predictable as they can be. And I think, again, part of that conversation, if things become more complicated, velocity slows down for some reason, new things pop up that, that you couldn't figure out how to deal with, it's about that transparency. It's about saying, hey, let's make a choice together. Like you, are, you have as much stake in this as I do. This is what I believe to be the challenge. What do you want to do for this client? How are we going to achieve this success in terms of what we're doing? I'm a big proponent of shared goals being, if not the answer to everything, a pretty big answer in terms of where we're going. I want to make money for this company too. I want success for our customers. I want to build a sustainable business. And the more I can do as a product leader or with my product teams to help there by being part of those conversations, by providing visibility as things change, by involving you in the process to make decisions, uh, about what to do when things go strange, the better we're going to be. So I think ultimately you can avoid or start to change that culture around hard deadlines and predictable uh, scope for your customers by being transparent, by being collaborative, by being uh, present, you know, like, and, and, and genuinely engaged in the same goals. This is what I want. And if, I understand your goal, you understand my goal. Maybe we don't work on the navigation changes we wanted to make. Maybe we don't work, well, we reproductize the things if I understand what the value actually is. And it cuts both ways. If you hear, you know what, there's a bigger opportunity on the horizon. Let's change this around and figure out where it works because we are trying to accomplish the same things. Next, Lauren Antonelli shares how at Evite, they use a six-week cycle and how that helps their teams keep their commitments and balance the desire for certainty with truly impactful, valuable work that the teams can actually deliver against. I got really inspired from that from Jason Fried and, and Basecamp and sort of how they um, cycle their work. When I, I'll share with you the article that I'm talking about, but they really work in six-week cycles. And they don't believe that anything, anything that you do can't be done in six weeks. And whether or not people can like wax poetic, whether that's true or not, like they're putting it to the test. And so it's like, okay, they figured it out. Maybe if it's longer than six weeks, it needs to be chunked out into versions anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. And that gives them time to work really hard together and then take, you know, a a period of reflection and decision-making for the next period. So one of the other things I think it's hard if you have with capacity is like the planning versus executing in the same time period. And they found a really good formula that works well for them that, you know, I've tried to take inspiration from. It's going to be really hard to change the way any company works overnight, but trying to say like version things out, commit to iteration, don't plan everything in advance, learn something and then plan the next Um, It's a little more um, unknown, but if you have a leader or a leadership team that believes in the experts in the company, then there can be that trust that you're going to learn in a way that is productive to the business and not, well, no one knows what they're doing or working on, right? The say-do ratio is super important in product and also in leadership. You know, you got to do what you say. What's the right ratio? It's, Tell me about the say-do ratio. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be one-to-one, right? It's like it, if you say you're going to do something, you got to do it. That's how you build trust in product. That's how you build trust with your customers. That's how you build trust with your CEO. So much of the managing up and down and out is because people don't know what they're going to get. 
and they're nervous about it. Well, am I going to get the results? Are, are we going to be able to move this needle? Like, so being able to say, we're going to do this in this time period for this result. And if it doesn't work, we're going to try something else again. And we'll continually iterate until we find the thing that will change us. That commitment to getting work done, I think, is more valuable than trying to hire the next Steve Jobs. Because finding that needle in a haystack of innovation and having these brilliant product ideas is great. That's like, that in some ways, that's like the easy way out. But to find that person and to find those kinds of like really unique thinkers and who are so ahead of their time in product is, is really hard. And it's not a reality that I've come across. So if you don't have all of that, then the next best thing is to keep trying stuff until you figure it out and learning from every single thing that you release. And if you are doing that, then you will get to where you need to go. Maybe not overnight, but you will step change your business. And, and that is what happened to Evite. Evite is a 20-year-old company. Um, it peaked a while ago, and we have now started growing again at a, an amazing rate. And it was from listening to the customers, iterating, not giving up, figuring out that even if we don't hit it the first time, we can hit it the second, third, and fourth, and just trusting each other to get it done. Um, it doesn't mean it's always easy. It just means that we stick to the formula and we commit. Now, Prasad Gunay shares how he uses a 222 Horizon framework to keep his company informed with the reasonable possible level of detail. Uh, so the question about how do you manage ambiguity uh, with the sales team when there's a ton of excitement and interest around, you know, specifically when certain features are going to be de- delivered. I think it's a great question. It's not an easy one to solve. And uh, the way I try to put it is, well, number one, you know, we've talked about this elsewhere, but, you know, the vision matters a lot. So um, the team having a sense of where the product team is going, that that would be the first thing I would do. You know, if they don't even have a directional sense of where uh, the product line is going, then that's a big gap. So you start with that. Um, I think it is fair to say that uh, trying to get too specific about dates and then missing them continuously is probably not a good model to be in. And so uh, the way I typically try to phrase things is clarity on uh, near-term stuff and, you know, sort of directional as you go further out. Um, And, uh, you know, at LinkedIn, uh, we instituted a model which we used to call 222. I was there a few years ago, so I don't know if they still use that model, but it really was uh, a ton of clarity for features which are two weeks out. So anything which is two weeks out, we should have pretty much almost to the day clarity. Obviously, you know, sometimes things happen, so uh, it's not 100%, but you're pretty close to you know, high confidence that what's going to be shipping in, uh, uh, in, two, in, in two weeks. Uh, as you look further out, uh, uh, you know, like you could say two months out, I have good clarity, uh, but there are things which are in beta, which may or may not come to fruition in exactly two months, but they're pretty close and the unknowns are uh, are less there. And two quarters out, I have fairly good visibility right into that, but I can't be as specific on a date that things will be released. You can add an extra two to that, by the way, and say two years out, you know, when I look into what we'll be doing in 2020, I can give you a sense of what will happen in the first half of the year, what will happen in the second half of the year, but it's not going to be more crystal than that. For most teams, I think, you know, having that kind of clarity is helpful. So sales teams will go with that. I would hasten to add, by the way, that this model only works if you mostly delivering against the two-week and two, 
month things as expected. You know, then you start building confidence uh, with the internal teams, is you know, uh, and the product teams as well as the sales teams that yes, you're doing what you said. Uh, I think I think nothing sets uh, um, the sales team up for more disappointment than overpromising and underdelivering. And so you're 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 better off being specific on what you're going to deliver deliver that and then say, hey, just like we did previously, here's what we're going to do. So while I might not be able to tell you specifically what I'm going to deliver in exactly a year from now, uh, you'll know that in due course that will come into focus and I'll be able to give you a better timeline. So I think sort of chunking it down into, you know, uh, something like a 222 uh, or a 2222, I think that's the right number of twos. Uh, uh, I don't think we should ever go for two decades. At some point, that's probably a little beyond our uh, ability to see. But something like that, uh, builds confidence in both the in in your own teams, but also in the teams that work with you. Finally, Stefan Radulian acknowledges that while companies and leaders often want certainty, you have to create room for risk taking and experimentation, and that's why he uses the language of the scientific method with hypotheses and assumptions. So we in IT and and software business, we always think about what next market to revolutionize and then to co- to to conquer that was previously analog and and traditional. And I think where we in product management can um, actually learn from other markets is a scientific approach. And then I think think you were mentioning that quite often, uh, or we we too found a way to, 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 to put this into words is by calling something a hypothesis or an assumption and say, okay, I don't know, <laughs> but here is what I think will work. And then let's say, let's, let's, let's accept whatever happens. So be open that it can fail and accept if we learned something and then see how we can validate it or not. But that, that's, that's extremely difficult because companies actually, or business leaders, they, they have difficulties accepting these uncertainties. So working with probabilities or, or uh, risk, yeah, uh, it, it, it can, it, it, I can go 80% wrong with that. Do you still want to accept the 20% chance that it will work? And it's a lot of psychology here and a lot of risk-taking mindset, and it's really difficult. It's really difficult. We could learn from this openness of scientists that they say, oh, it's an experiment. It can go wrong. It's okay. (laughs) Ambiguity is one of the most challenging realities for product leaders, their teams, and stakeholders. Why? Because every other functional leader in an organization is usually creating plans under the illusion of certainty. Yet product leaders have to intentionally inject doubt into every step of their planning process. Everything is crafted as a hypothesis to be proven or disproven. So there is inevitably going to be ambiguity. Ambiguity around who is our target customer? What are their unmet needs? Which unmet needs do we have the best shot at creating a solution that is better than their alternatives? And when are we going to have something for them to try so that we can actually decide if in fact we're going down the right path? Your job as a product leader is to help your teams and the company embrace this ambiguity because it means that you're not going to be building things that will have no meaningful value for your customers or your company. So getting the organization comfortable with this discomfort is one of your main responsibilities as a product leader. 
Do you have questions like the ones I'm tackling in this podcast that you'd like to see us cover in a future episode? Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or post a review with what you like and what you'd like to know more about. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fearless Product Leadership. If you know a new product leader who would find this advice helpful, please let them know about this podcast. You can find me, Hope Gurion, on LinkedIn and Twitter, or subscribe to Fearless Product Leadership on your favorite podcast platform to be notified of new episodes. You will find transcripts, video versions of each episode, as well as more information on my Fearless Product coaching and consulting services by visiting my website, fearless-product.com. Fearless Product. Confidence through evidence.